probably midday we got tested to midnight waiting, waiting, waiting. I received a text message saying that I was negative. And then with every minute, Mel and I got increasingly uh, worried because she didn't receive the text. And then, yeah, sure enough, she received a phone call from DHHS saying that she was positive. And then we spiralled even further. Today on Dirty Linen, we are checking in with Wani Sakalaropoulos. She is one of the owners of Miss Frankie, a restaurant that was in the news, I guess for all the reasons you don't want to be in the news. It was the location of one of the outbreaks in Melbourne's recent COVID cluster. Wani has not been having the easiest time of it, and I'm super grateful to her for sharing her experience here on Dirty Linen. Wani, how are you doing? Uh, how am I doing? We are on the opposite end of... Um our 14-day quarantine in this house. So I'm starting to see the light. Uh, and physically, I'm, I'm doing okay. I didn't really have major symptoms or even moderate, really. I had the first Pfizer jab a couple of weeks before uh, the tier one exposure. So fortunately, I sort of only had really mild symptoms. Um, and my my process of COVID has just been sort of dealing with the oncoming onslaught of news daily, re our staff and um, the venue. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm doing okay. I'm doing better now. Oh my goodness. So, I mean, I didn't mention in the introduction that you were one of the people that had COVID as part of the Miss Frankie's cluster. Take, take us back to, just take, just tell us the story. Start at the beginning and we'll end up here. Okay. So I, it's funny, I sort of made some notes and just jotted down a bit of a timeline just so I understood sort of how it all played out. And basically we had a, a case attend the venue um, on the 13th of July. That case um, acquired the Delta variant of COVID at the MCG the weekend before, the weekend prior. He attended uh, our venue, um, unbeknownst to him, obviously, he was positive with the Delta strain. Uh, and then two days passed. So Wednesday night happened, Thursday night um, started and then late Thursday night, Mel received a phone call from DHHS on our landline um, and just basically declaring that we'd been exposed to someone who's positive and that we're at uh, a tier one exposure site and that um, at, our, at our quickest convenience, um, shut the restaurant down and isolate for 14 days and get tested basically. Far so that enough. was that was, that was like the start. there was a rest- restaurant full of people? Yeah, it was Thursday night. We were trading. What did you do? Um, shit, what do you do? So I walked over to the pass where Mel usually is sort of delegating the ins and out flow of the food over from the kitchen into the restaurant. So I walked over, she wasn't there. And I said to one of my head, one of my chefs, I said, where's Mel gone? Because I needed to ask her something. And he basically said to me, she's gone away. She's crying. I'm not sure what's happened. She's really upset. And I straight away went, I'm like, is something, is something wrong with her parents? Is something wrong with my parents? Is everyone okay? But then I went back out, to, out onto the restaurant floor and just started doing whatever I needed to do for that seating. It was the second seating. Um, everyone was in the restaurant. Uh, and then Mal appears about 10 minutes later and pulls me into a storeroom and says that she's just received that phone call. So immediately we sort of melted down, you know, emotions just overcome both of us. Um, and then we had to go into sort of like get the job done mode and get everyone out safely and quarantine. And, that yeah, that was 
yeah, needless to say, difficult, difficult information to ingest and not a lot of information around how we needed to do what we needed to do either. You know, it was just your tier one, safely close up and get out, you know, um, and isolate until you test. And even if you test negative, isolate for 14 days because it's a tier one exposure site. And then it just started from there basically for us. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I mean, I just... I just can't imagine. Would would it just be like, okay, where do we even start? Do we talk to the customers first? Do we talk to the staff first? Do we turn Listen, off the stoves? Like what immediate, we- immediately you kind of, it's fight or flight almost. You know, you kind of go, okay, what, what do we need to do to keep everyone, everybody safe? We understood that the case was in attendance on Tuesday night. We weren't aware at that stage that we had been infected or that the, the venue was at risk for that particular night. Um, after the fact, obviously, we found out it was. But in that moment, on that phone call, it's like it was Tuesday night. Um, everybody just get out and get tested. So we, yeah, I had one-on-one chats with all of my staff, especially specifically the ones that were on Tuesday night, um, and basically just said, this is what's happened. You need to get home safely and you need to isolate and test. Um, and, yeah, I didn't, I didn't alert customers in the restaurant um, to that phone call. DHHS um, yeah, hadn't said yet that it was a Thursday night exposure site. So those people in that restaurant at that time, as far as we were concerned, just like we thought we were okay, they were okay, you know. Right, yeah. 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 Well, goodness me. So what happened next? Um, so then Mel and I, obviously we lived together. Um, so we sort of Friday morning woke up. And got, went and got tested, sat in a test line at, at Monash in Clayton for about three and a half hours um, and, yeah, just sort of sat there on the phone. Phones were ringing. Channel 7 gave us a call. Some newspaper in Sydney called me. I, I actually spoke to Virginia on ABC Radio that morning, Friday morning, um, really briefly about the fact that we we're a tier one exposure site. And it was kind of a, quite a positive conversation on my part because, you know, I felt like we were okay. We were safe. Everyone was locked down. The government's done this snap lockdown. Let's just get everyone tested. I'm sure it's not going to be this big what it turned out to be. Yeah. Oh yeah. Of course. Cause Thursday night was our, you know, last night out before. Lockdown, yeah, that's right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, got sat in line, got tested, took a couple of different phone calls from different media outlets that wanted to chat. I didn't really want to chat to mo- any, anybody in that moment. I was sort of still spiralling from all the information. Um, and, yeah, got tested and, yeah. You got tested and you came back positive from that first test? No, no, no. I got t- we. Mel and I both tested. We got home. They said because you're an exposure one site, you would be identified. Uh, sorry, contacted in 12 hours at the latest um, to let you know if you've been exposed. So we're sitting up, you know, between probably midday we got tested to midnight waiting, waiting, waiting. I received a text message saying that I was negative at about 10.30. Uh, And then with every minute, Mel and I got increasingly uh, worried because she didn't receive the text and we're sitting in the same car, got tested at the same time. So uh, half an hour had passed and then it dawned on us that maybe she's going to get some bad news. And then, yeah, sure enough, a couple of minutes later, she received a phone call from DHHS saying that she was positive. Oh um, yeah. And then we spiraled even further. <laughs> Just this continuous, and with every day that come from there, Danny, you know, the different 
people that tested positive and we just there was no light it just kept hitting us harder and harder you know um with Mel's positive came the the conversation around does she need to go into hotel quarantine because my niece is staying with us at the moment too she was a bartender on shift Tuesday night um in the restaurant she also was tested and returned a negative um, but because Mel returned her positive, we were starting to have the conversations around Mel having to go to hotel quarantine. So we may protect ourselves from getting the virus. We separated in our house. I went upstairs with Bella. Mel stayed downstairs. We obviously all had masks on. We were sanitizing like crazy people. We started to spiral into this kind of like clinical phase where everything was a germ, you know, and we just didn't even feel comfortable in our own house, you know, because we didn't know if we were going to get it, where Mel had to go. Um, so we made the decision for Mel to leave. Um, oh my Are you guys like housemates, business partners, life partners? Like- we're, we're, we're all all three, all of the okay. above. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> housemates, no, we're, we're business partners and we're life partners. We've been together for 13 years. So okay. we're in the same bed, obviously. We yeah, share yeah. the same you know, bathroom. So it makes sense that if Mel's got it, I'm in the same house as this Delta strain, we're going to get it. However, at in that moment, we kind of just went, let's try and separate. Maybe I haven't got it. You know, maybe I didn't contract it. Maybe, you know, and then there's all this conversation around if Mel stays uh, positive in the house and I don't, or Bella doesn't return a, a positive at all through the duration of the 14 days of her quarantine, we would have to then quarantine another 14 days after her negative. So then this time peace came into it. So we just said, you know what, let's just roll the dice and see what happens. She was picked up by a, uh, a, some sort of a unit that was part of the hotel quarantine system in the city um, and off she went. I just feel like I'm having an out-of-body experience listening to this. Like, it's just so intense. And, I mean, at, at the same time, you know, your business that you just put your heart and soul into is all over the news. There were other cases popping up day by day. And, I mean, look, I just want to say that, I mean, I was devastated for your business. I haven't even been to the restaurant, but I just could only... I just, you know, obviously I know it's it's a small business. It's, you know, it, I just know how much heart and soul people put into these restaurants. And But one thing I think is really important to note is that every time that you were mentioned on the news or the press conferences by Jerome Weimar, who's the COVID commander, he really made a point of saying how good your COVID safe procedures were, you know, that your check-ins were great, uh, that you're being super cooperative. And, I mean, I think... From my point of view, I just feel like a business like yours is like a hero of an outbreak like we had and so important to getting it under control. So, you know, it's awful, but, you know, I think you guys, you sort of, you had your shit together to at least, you know, do what needed to be done from the community perspective. We always have that um, intention um, in the forefront of our minds. We're a community-based business. You know, we've been in Cremorne for 12 years now with the cafe before the restaurant. There's a real sense of community in Cremorne. There's a real sense of community in Richmond. And then we have this tribe-like following from Miss Frankie that's just like loyalist supporters of our brand because we do care a lot about what we do and a lot about our, our community. So it makes sense to us that 
our COVID safe protocols and procedures did contribute to the greater good. And that for us, when Jerome started sort of using that language in the media, finally we we had all of this kind of, and it was just numbers really. Miss Frankie, the brand, they would sort of have a new reporter at the front on a different day from a different um, network sort of doing their COVID report at the front of our beautiful venue. And like, for us to see that was as well as dealing with, you know, COVID positives amongst our family and our crew was just devastating. But then Jerome all of a sudden changed the narrative in the, in the media and said, you know what, these guys, which we did have contributed. And that was like this beacon of light for us, you know, and gave us that sort of energy to go, hang on. Yes. It's unfortunate. And he actually called us directly and said, you know, it's such a shame that such a, beautiful business set up the way you've set it up the community that you have the protocols that you've had in place to have been affected by this virus like it has you know that's um, nice that he called you it was lovely yeah mel's mel's got a direct line in which is like was was lovely i think he realized that we kind of probably needed it you know yeah. in that moment oh my goodness so so when did you find out that you were positive so you know as soon as mel left i said obviously the right thing to do and DHHS um, was we, we all have like a, a close contact um, person who deals with, you know, us individually. And then um, once you become a positive case, you get a doctor or whatever from one of the local health um, areas. But I had a, a close contact um, nurse who was taking care of me or, or a public officer. And I, we just sort of spoke and I said, look, Mel's out now we should go get tested. She's like, yes, definitely. You and Bella go get tested again. Um, just to see, you know, obviously in their minds, they know this Delta variant is different to the alpha, you know, it's like super contagious. If you're in the same house with somebody and they've got it, the likelihood is very high that you, if you haven't got it from being in the tier one exposure site, you're probably going to get it from being in the same house, you know? Um, so off Bella and I went to get tested and, I returned a, a negative that night, about 10 hours later, and Bella still returned a positive. Uh, uh, sorry, I returned a positive and Bella still returned a negative. <laughs> yep. Um, and then the, the nurses said, look, send Bella out again. So out Bella goes again for her third test. This is Monday now. Um, and sure enough, she returned her positive. So finally, all three of us returned our positives within – you know, three days and Mal was um, able to come back home from hotel quarantine and quarantine with the whole house. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. How did you feel when you got that positive result? Oh, look, I, I have, I've had my first Pfizer jab and I didn't, I didn't, like I said, have any symptoms, major symptoms. When she pricked my nose the second time, I sort of got hay fever-like symptoms and I thought it was just because of the test. Um, so I didn't feel like I was going to get it. I, I felt strong. And then when I got it, I still felt strong. I didn't feel affected by the virus. It was more a mental thing for me um, because I'm dealing with this double-layered quadruple layered, 10 time layered um, issue where it's like family, myself and my business, you know, where, where it mentally did hit me pretty hard when I got that positive, you know, rather than physically. Yeah, it, it is a lot. And so how many cases in the end were associated with uh, Miss Frankie and how many of those were staff? How many were customers? 
look, we haven't got a final number. We've asked for a call with um, DHHS tomorrow just to get the final number of, like, patrons. We know from from the maths our staff, um, 10 staff members in total were positive. Um, and... Yeah, so on that night, we're such a we're such a little group, you know. There's, we don't have, as you know, hospitality in Melbourne's been decimated of its industry as far as uh, staff are concerned. So we don't have the the ability to have a, a bubble where we can have one crew and then another crew, or you know, our crew that was on Tuesday night. Majority of those staff members minus two returned a, a positive result. Gosh. And then close contacts, you know, everybody that they went then home to quarantine with. So Chef and his wife, for example, um, their two daughters ended up getting it. Gosh. Um, yeah. So as far and the numbers for the patrons, I don't know. The number in the end, I think, was close to 50. So I would say about 35. And this is just a guesstimate based on what was reported, 35 um, patrons probably. Oh, my goodness. And were any of your staff badly ill? Look, and that's that's the final turn that really um, tipped Mel and I and probably the staff because we're like a family. Our head chef, Giorgio, is in his late 50s, um, not eligible for – oh, sorry, mid-50s, Mel saying. Oops, sorry, I just threw three years on his life. Um, <laughs> mid-50s. Um, not eligible for Pfizer, so wasn't vaccinated, was waiting to get Pfizer actually. It was due to get it like a week after we had the bomb go off in, in the restaurant. But he got really sick, stayed home with it obviously and fought the fight in front of his daughters and his wife and didn't go to the hospital and then eventually was admitted to Royal Melbourne Hospital where the doctors ran tests on his lungs. He had spots on his lungs. He's on a, uh, not on a, a ventilator, thank God, um, but he's on oxygen um, and got pretty sick. Yeah, so that was like the nail for us. Um, but he is, or I must say, reporting well today. His oxygen's better, um, still a couple below the level he needs to be to be out of hospital. Um, but he is reporting positive signs and, um, yeah, our, obviously our prayers daily and thoughts are with um, Chef and his wife and his children who are, have another layer, you know, to this shit show. It, I mean, this is just so much to deal with. It's, yeah, that is it's just so intense. And so, oh, my goodness, you're, are you able to leave the house tomorrow? Is that when your time is up? Well, I'm, yeah, no, I'm, it, when you, when you, when you're declared positive, it doesn't work on days anymore. It works on testing. So I had my 13-day test today. Um, the nurses came to the house, Bella as well, um, side by side. And if we return um, negatives or our viral lo- count is low enough to be um, released, they will let us know. So we're still waiting to hear, yeah. So, um, I mean, what's the path to reopening like for you guys? So... We have obviously from day one been working with um, DHHS and or the sort of the appropriate bodies around how we sort of return to open. We knew straight away that we needed to do a COVID deep clean um, and that's protocol for the government. So straight away they were in touch um, like they were with our contact tracing. They were sort of trying to get an assessment on 
you know, floor plans, what's where, who's where, how do we get in, how do we get out? Um, and then we had an assessment done on the site. Um, they did an assessment. I think that is it IPCA, the, um, the government authority. They went through, they've done a report um, and then based on that report, they've requested another clean of like staff areas because the original outbreak or sort of tier one exposure was uh, the customer who came in on Tuesday um, who's then infected the staff. But at that, at that Thursday point when they've triggered the deep clean, they didn't realise that the staff had been infected and that the, and then that all the staff areas needed to be sort of deep cleaned as well. So we've had two deep cleans um, and, yeah, they had to look at all the reports. There was photos. They had to go back through and make sure that it's basically clear for reopen, um, and it is. And now we – obviously we had to look at our COVID safe plan again, which was in place, but now it's gone up about 48 notches. I feel like I could almost be a nurse the way I've studied um, all things COVID in the last 13 days. Um, yeah, so the final step is everybody getting the all clear from the government, as, uh, from DHHS, as far as our health is concerned. And then we'll organise a rollout. For us, we're focusing on the chef at the moment. We're not planning on reopening, even if we can, until our chef is home and safe and, and healthy. Um, because, yeah, I mean, he's taken this hit because of being in the restaurant if we go and open again it just wouldn't feel right for us so yeah we're a few steps away from the reopen but we are as far as the government is concerned and a venue is concerned we have got the all clear to reopen that restaurant oh my goodness uh, i mean i'm sure that rightly there'd be a lot of privacy protocols in place but do you know if the customer that came in positive unbeknownst to him was like a regular was it someone that you that you see often or you just have no idea we yeah, look, we weren't oh, – DHHS are incredible. The way they do what they do is, like, phenomenal. And, oh, like, we, we – when we got the call, the call was, and it stated simply this, he a case was in attendance and he was in attendance between uh, 6 o'clock or 5.30 and 7.30, whatever the time was that they said. Um, and then Mel basically said straight away, are you sure it's us? And they said, yes, we're sure. And then Mel said, how can you be sure? And they said, we're sure he's attended because they've obviously done his um, contact tracing. And then they went further to say that he actually used the bathrooms as well. So he's got up and used the bathrooms. Um, and we don't know where he was sitting, how we know that he was in a big group um, booking and then we also know after the fact through the media that he was um, the teacher from Trinity Grammar and that he but, but as far as like do I know his name do I know where he was sitting no the, the government does not release that because of privacy and I, I don't know is he a regular it's hard to say like we are in the sports precinct in Melbourne you know it was prior to the Amy Park rugby which is where he went after he was having dinner before he went there um, you know, I hope to God that he's okay. And um, I'm sure that, you know, there was about 400 steps that could have been taken before that moment to prevent that 
particular situation. But um, if he's a regular or not, we hope we uh, we hope that he does dine with us again and that he he is safe and um, healthy and that we can just move forward. You know. Yeah, I just wonder if it was if that had, if that had been me, I just wonder what I would do. I, I feel like I'd want to give you like a million bunches of flowers and just. Oh man, Mel! When Mel did her contact tracing, actually, because she. Um, they did her contact tracing from Friday, from Tuesday to Friday. And she basically, you know, she might have, she went to the bank and she went to this salami place to pick up some salami skins for her dad. And like straight away, she had this kind of like, oh my God, I can't, like I've gone in there and I've sort of like potentially exposed them, you know? So there is probably a layer of guilt that's attached to being that person that goes into a site and exposes the site. But at the end of the day, Danny, what can you do? You know, you don't know that you're carrying it. This virus is um, invisible, you know, it really is. So you just, you just can't know. And there should be no guilt attached, you know, really. It's just about protecting each other now and trying to do our best to um, protect each other moving forward. And- yeah. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I think your attitude is amazing and I just can't imagine the strength that it must take to, yeah, just to have the perspective that you have. It's just, yeah, it's a, it's always going to be a big time in your life that you, you guys will have to look back on, hey? Oh, it's like I did the the maths today. Five lockdowns, you know, from last year to now in, in our industry, in going through it, catalog date, like experience by experience, what we what we went through to hit five or just pre five and get this situation. Yeah, it's been trying you know it's tested me to my core you know but there's like two sides to my brain there's my business side and there's my human side and both of them need to be rational and you know understand that this is a global pandemic we are seriously sitting in a situation where people are dying from this virus you know and it's up to me as an individual to protect myself and my family, which I intend to do. Um, And also with the business now, how I can understand to better protect my staff and my wider community, you know. Mm. Well, let's talk about that. I mean, what is it, what had you already uh, put in place that you're you're really glad and grateful that you did, and in in your now new life as a COVID expert from every single angle, what what next? Like what are you, what what sort of a what have you noticed, or what do you think you'll put in place that, that might be interesting for other business owners and uh, you know restaurant folk to hear? Look, there's a couple of words that are highlighted on my page, and that's proactive and reactive. And I feel like a lot of the COVID stuff that you know we have. I'll talk about our industry that we have to protect us is a bit reactive, you know, like, um, so the things that worked definitely our QR code check-in, you know, we over-enforced that obviously. And we were able to sort of actually help Melbourne or Victoria sort of keep a, a lid on this, uh, current outbreak, um, our protocols and procedures around cleaning um, and social distancing, we did to the spec of to the letter of the law. Could have, could we have done it any better? I don't think so. Can, will I do it better now? Um, I think that I probably will go to an extreme level where, even though the government says to me, "Look, Lani, you can have." full capacity in your restaurant with a COVID marshal, I probably will think twice about that. Um, Until the measures that I I feel like need to be put in place are 
things like a higher vaccination rate. I'm not, and and here's the thing: I can't sit here and and say, you know, I'm pro-vax. Everybody get vaccinated. Like Mel says, we're pro-choice. It's up to the individual to go and get vaccinated if they want to get vaccinated. But here's the reality: because I'm living it, I was vaccinated. Mel was vaccinated, and Isabella in this very house wasn't vaccinated. Mel and I had very mild symptoms, and Isabella suffered for four days. Couldn't get out of bed because of it. And she's only 20 years old. Chef, who also wasn't vaccinated, ended up in the Royal Melbourne Hospital. So what will I do differently as a restaurateur? I will encourage everybody I know to go and get vaccinated. Um, And I probably will also ask the government if our industry can become um, priority Uh, on the priority list to get vaccinated because as it stands right now, Danny, my niece, the 20-year-old that was infected by COVID, actually can't get uh, the Pfizer jab. She's eligible to get the AstraZeneca jab, but on the same website it says it's not recommended that they recommend the Pfizer jab. So I think... I'm going to be doing a little bit more higher level stuff and talking to government and whoever will listen, DHHS, Jerome, whoever's going to take my phone call and hear what I've got to say, it will be about um, becoming priority in our industry for vaccination because that way we don't get sick and, and we we support and, and are able to sort of not spread it as, as, as readily. Well, yeah, you're um, frontline workers. I mean, I was reading... Um, an article about the situation in Los Angeles at the moment and, you know, they've got a lot of Delta going through their community as well because even though we hear about the US is doing really well in vaccination, still a lot of people aren't vaccinated. But you know what the deadliest job in the US's most recent outbreak was? Was line cook. That was the, that was the profession that was most likely to get you killed. And these guys, Danny, like us, we, we, we have a COVID safe plan. We have check-ins. We have masks that we wear. We have sanitizer everywhere. We, we do everything the government tells us to do. And we will continue to do that and some, you know, we will ramp that right up. Um, but how's that going to protect? If the Delta strain comes in anywhere, that protection just simply isn't enough. Like it's just not enough. And, and to have someone who is on a cooking line or at an event running, you know, the floor or the pass or whatever, contract this virus, I would consider these people as frontline workers because we do deal with like a thousand people a week, you know. Um, We should be considered frontline. We should have priority. We should have the choice to be able to get vaccinated. If they want to keep our industry open and running for the economy, which I understand completely, that's my business hat, great, but also then allow us the choice to get vaccinated um, to keep safe and to keep everybody around us safe. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Um, So Melbourne's reopened again and... It's masks are supposed to be on in kitchens and in restaurants when people aren't eating, when they're moving around to go to the toilet, mask needs to come back on. Group size is 10. Um, I've heard from a lot of people that, a lot of hospo people that they're getting grief from customers who are trying to book in for larger groups who, you know, they have to keep being asked if they would put their mask on when they walk around the restaurant. I mean, what, how do you, what do you say to that, you know, just from your perspective of seeing that it's actually real. Danny, there's like, so before actually the Delta strain donned its uh, energy on my venue and and infected 
the whole situation, we already were advocates for like doing the right thing for COVID. Like we from lockdown one have always worn masks. Uh, our COVID protocols have always been, you know, a, a notch above what they need to be. And and in that instance, for example, with the QR codes, I would ask people to check in and people would literally roll their eyes and people would literally tell me they've checked in and not check in. And I would say to them, hey, look, I need to just see the, the, the green tick before I can see you because we as a venue made a decision that we're not going to – no check-in, no entry. We, we made that decision. Um, and some people would lie and say, I've checked in, and you'd say, look, I need to see the tick that opened up their app, that, oh, actually, no, I didn't, and then check in. So what do I say to that? I say, unfortunately, people, unless they're affected by it, they're ignorant to it, and they just don't give a shit. And it's, and it's our job, unfortunately, to ensure the safety of our immediate space so my colleagues and my my community and my wider community that comes through my venue it's up to me to make sure that when people come in they check in it's up to me to make sure that even though people will roll their eyes and probably look at me with complete dissatisfaction when I ask them to put their mask on to go to the toilet when I ask them not to stand in the toilet in groups more than two you know I know that I'm going to get kicked back from that because I've already experienced that but what I say to them is simply I don't care these are the rules within my venue and if you don't like it, well, then go dine somewhere else. And it's simply that's what it has to be, you can know. You, can you imagine getting getting to a point where you would require customers to be vaccinated to enter your venue? Look, I mean, that's a big conversation, you know. I I hope, um, I have I have a hope that we have in the in the very near future a high vaccination rate in this country because the majority will help the the bigger sort of situation if i don't think it will get to a point where you know if you're not vaccinated you can't come in i think it will get to a point where um the majority will just see sense get vaccinated and and it won't get to that you yeah. know i mean there are some jurisdictions like in in france you're not allowed to dine indoors unless you've been vaccinated in ireland you're not allowed to dine indoors unless you've been vaccinated i mean obviously it makes it easier for individual businesses if it's a blanket rule um, yeah i mean look i i think rapid testing would be the first what i'd suggest prior to everybody needs to be vaccinated everybody needs to get this um, vaccine and stick it in your arm and make sure you know like I can't I can't tell people how to do what they do with their bodies but we can say hey listen if you're a you know an essential worker and you're crossing a border from a, a red zone into a you know a moderate a place that doesn't have COVID we're going to rapid test you before you cross that border you know and then hopefully curb it before it gets to that point where we need to sort of make sure that everybody's vaccinated I think in those places like the ones you speak about in Europe it's rife there you know it is it is borderline out of control you know and they have have to get to a point where they need to vaccinate everybody in order to have some sort of control of it i think hopefully we're still in a position here where it's not at that point and i think that if majority can get vaccinated i think that would that will be enough you know um but if if it did get to a point where you know the industry sort of said hey listen this is what we're thinking i, I probably would potentially back it you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't, you know, that's that's a it's a big conversation. You know, about making sure. You know, it's it's somebody's personal choice if they want to get vaccinated. You know, it is. 
it is because that's how our society does it. But it's also, you know, as you've, you know, really clearly said, you know, it's all this work we do to be COVID safe individually is also work for the community. And uh, I mean, my personal view is like, I'm s- very pro-vax and, you know, like my kids have been, it's been three scenarios where it's no jab, no play, you know, they have to be vaccinated to be funded for kindergarten places. I support that. I think we've got, it's definitely, it's not our road. I mean, you can, there's places that are where it's much easier to get vaccinated than in Australia at the moment and they're still having issues. It's not, it's not like a, it's not the silver bullet that, you know, uh, it's sometimes put out to be, but, you know, as you've noticed and as been as has been demonstrated over and over again, it's like the people who are vaccinated don't get as sick for the most part. And they don't spread, you know, as as much, you know. So, yeah, just get vaccinated, everyone. Well, that's the, that, that, that's the best case scenario, you know. That is the best case scenario. And for me, looking at my current situation, I say I need my guys at least, at least to be put on a, a preferred um, list because a priority list because right now we can say we want everyone to be vaccinated no jab no entry but I can't even get my 20 year old bartender to to have the Pfizer jab so we're about 48 steps behind that situation and and I've got a restaurant that needs to roll out into the Delta community and I need to know that at least that step is going to be taken for them, you know, so they can make the choice, even if everybody else doesn't want to, to try and keep themselves safe. And then I would say, like, my my next thing would be PCR testing, sort of like rapid before entry testing. Um, you know, it, it takes a little bit longer. There are some studies around that that sort of people are saying pro, pros and cons to it. However, I think it would be, you know, uh, the next step I probably would be interested in taking for my venue you know at least definitely um for big crowds i think it would help to identify the risk before you put the risk into a situation where they're going to spread that one in ten people you know it's definitely another layer of protection i suppose all these things masks qrs like all those things they just work together and if each thing is you know an extra one percent then or whatever it is then it's it's got to be good um, Wani, is there anything else that you would like to say today, you know, about your experience or advice for other people in hospo? Look, I think um, I'm just I'm grateful for the platform, so thank you for hearing me out. As far as um, my colleagues go and my sort of fellow the fellow people in my industry, I just kind of want to say that it's really important that we sort of stick together, like because honestly – I received probably two phone calls from industry, I would say, leaders to sort of reach out and see how we went um, through this whole process. I think there needs to be a meeting of the minds where we all come together, especially the bigger guys, and we kind of even have a forum where we say these are our challenges because the government sets a, a, a bunch of parameters around, you know, how to be reactive, you know. You know, this is what happens if there's a, an outbreak in your site. Well, that's too late because my chef's got it and now he's in hospital with spots on his lungs you know i think we need to as a group of people in the industry i think we need to get together and we need to talk about things that sort of could potentially make a difference you know get our voice to be stronger collectively and hopefully push um push the button on this sort of priority vax at least and things like you know how do we how do we talk to our staff about managing the people who roll their eyes when we have to ask them to wear a mask you know these conversations I'm not sure that they're happening live you know I think that people just roll back out and 
you know, expect that it's just not around where I think we need to have, yeah, if we could, I'm going to be reaching out anyway, whether they want to listen or not. And I'll be screaming the stuff that I need to, to be screaming regarding this. So that would be all I would like to say, Miss Danny. <laughs> <laughs> well, Miss Viney, it has been really a privilege uh, and such an amazing opportunity for me to have you on the podcast. I just re- you really want to say thank you for the incredible work that you've done for our whole community. I th- definitely think you guys are COVID heroes and should be recognised as such. It's just, yeah, I mean... It, it's so important what you're doing, everything that you've done, the QRs, looking after your staff, um, just the attitude that you bring to it, staying home, like it's all so important and definitely adding your voice to a really important conversation about frontline workers being vaccinated. For sure. Uh, I think it's it's really important and it's a conversation that we really need to have and we need to have it loudly. So thank you so much. No worries, Good Danny. luck with um, getting the, getting the re- results of your test and getting out of quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, yeah, reopening. Let me know when you reopen. Um, I would just be so excited to support you. Yeah, come on in. It would be nice Nice to see you, nice to meet you. Yeah. All right. Take Thanks. care. Thank Danny, you so take much. Take care of yourself. Ciao, Bella. Bye. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This.